This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, mortgage broker Angela Callow returns to our program with all the latest information on successfully obtaining a mortgage, and there are some new lower rates to talk about, and we'll open up our phone lines too. But first, here are some more of the week's top consumer story, and this one should come as no surprise, especially after our last hour with Jennifer McCracken from BDO First Call. They say more money means more problems, but a recent survey found people with less cash are the the ones staying up at night worrying. 63% of people who earn less than 30 grand a year say they lost sleep over financial issues compared to 53% of people who earned 80,000 or more, according to the results rather of a bank rate survey released this week. Overall, more than half of adult North Americans say we've lost sleep over at least one financial issue. Everyday expense is the most common issue keeping us up at night, with nearly a third of people surveyed saying they lose sleep over them. Nearly a quarter of us lie awake at night over saving enough money for retirement. 22% say they lose sleep over health concerns or insurance matters. 18% say they lose sleep over credit card debt or mortgage or rent payments. While another recent survey found that college graduates regret their student loans more than any other aspect of their education, only 11% said they lost sleep over education expenses. Stock market volatility kept the fewest people up at night, just 5% of us saying we, we, we lose sleep worrying about the markets. So what's an insomniac to do? Devise a financial game plan and stick to it, say the survey researchers. Even starting at getting organized should help you sleep better. Even though Canada Day is still ahead of us, Labor Day is just 67 days away, which means that if you're overlooking, you're rather looking for one last summer getaway before school starts, well, chances are you've already started thinking about booking flights. Now, although most travelers are under the impression that the earlier the better is the golden rule when it comes to purchasing airline tickets, especially for travel over busy holiday weekends, research suggests this may not be true. According to the 2019 State of Travel Report published by by Adobe Analytics, you still have plenty of time to score the best deal. This year's Adobe Digital Insights report found that the best time to book domestic airline flights for Labor Day travel is 38 days before your departure date. So that would make July 24th the date to circle on your calendar, although 38 to 49 days is the suggested buying window. And according to the Adobe Analytics team, Thursdays are slightly cheaper than Fridays to travel. Tuesdays are the cheapest. The report did find that five days prior to the the departure date is the absolute worst time to book, unless, of course, money is no object. And that's regardless of whether you're flying on a holiday weekend or not. So unless someone, uh, you're someone who doesn't appreciate a deal, don't wait until the last minute to book your trip. And here's another Canada Day celebration option to consider for Monday. How about Granville Island? The 20th annual Canada Day Parade on Granville Island takes place Monday, starting from Ocean Construction at 1.30 Monday afternoon. The parade is just one of dozens of events and activities taking place on Granville Island on Canada Day, including a bike decorating workshop, 
Cake, seafood cookout, roving performers, they're always there anyway, music, a street party, printmaking, and dragon boat rides. There are so many events going on, you might want to pop over to granvilleisland.com to check out the entire schedule. And maybe you want to top off your Canada Day after a good round of Granville Island up at Nat Bailey Stadium. The Blue Jays of tomorrow, the Vancouver Canadians, will be home on Monday and will play Portland's Hillsboro Hops at 7 o'clock Monday night. And yes, there will be a big fireworks show after that ball game. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have even more for you later in the hour. But coming right up after the break, we welcome back award-winning broker and author of The Mortgage Code, Angela Calla. Coming right up next on Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. Welcome back to the program this last Saturday of June as we're heading into the long Canada Day weekend. Sterling Fox joined on the line by Angela Calla, host of The Mortgage Show, Saturday evenings here on CKNW and author of the bestseller, The Mortgage Code, helping you move up the property ladder, get the best mortgage, avoid costly mistakes, and save money. That's a mouthful. Angela Calla is back with us. Hi, Angela. Happy Canada Day weekend. Well, nice the to same see to you. you again. It's nice to have you back with us, too. I uh, wanted to talk about uh, mortgage rates. As I understand it, in the, just the past two or three days, Angela, a couple of the nation's larger banks have reduced some of their mortgage rates. The word is, because of reduced demand, lenders are, well, I use the word hurting, wouldn't be the right word, but they're looking for business. Yes, that and they've had quite a significant spread. So they do have quite a bit of room um, to be able to move their rates. So right now they're more in the normal range, mm-hmm. whereas they were kind of keeping the spread higher to make up for not lending as much earlier in the quarter. Right. So it's been a very exciting spring and certainly summer has really picked up and buyers are getting some great opportunities. Mortgage renewals are getting great. And I also do have to stress if you've got a mortgage in the last year or two and you are paying over over 3.5%, it's actually worth it to review your mortgage and see if it's worth it to redo it for a better rate and how much you'll save. Angela, can I just interrupt you for a second? Because there's usually there's usually a penalty attached to that. If I'm at 3.5, for example, and I see some uh, ad on TV and there's the, one of the big banks going for 2.95 and I can save half a point or more, uh, uh, naturally I'm going to go, well, gee, why am I stuck with this? But it, it, is it always, if you want to get out of something you're locked into to, to improve your monthly payments or circumstances, that you must pay a penalty? Yes, and depending on the lender you're with will depend on your penalty. Okay. If you're fortunate... If you're fortunate enough to have a variable rate mortgage, then of course it will only be three months interest unless you got a very restrictive type product. Or if you are with a retail major bank, then your penalty will be between between 3 to 5% of your outstanding balance. Or if you're fortunate enough to have a mortgage with a monolite lender who doesn't have posted rates, then your mortgage penalty will likely be 1% of the balance or below. Okay, now the typical person in search of a mortgage or a better deal is probably not aware of all of those variables, right? Yeah, and then what we do is we very simply work the numbers. And the math either gets you ahead or it tells you to stay put. Sure. And then we can actually kind of calculate at what rate it would make sense to review again or what you can do to put yourself in a better position. So mortgages should be reviewed every year. 
And once they're reviewed every year by an unbiased party, then you can know, am I in the best situation for me? Is there something else I should consider? And is there anything that I should be doing to review my situation in this in this particular circumstance? Right. Now, we, we were, I just mentioned the fact that a couple of the larger banks have uh, uh, taken a look at some of their rates and dropped some of them uh, due to uh, an interest in getting more people to uh, sign on for mortgages. Is that going to continue? Is this uh, retreat from uh, interest rate increases, is it going to last for a while? There's a lot of uncertainty now between now and the election. Mm -hmm. So the election will be very telling and what types of certainty and things can happen after the election will really dictate where we're going to go. Sure. And nobody can really dictate Nobody can really predict where interest rates are going to be beyond six months from now um, because history hasn't made itself available to us yet. But I would say that over the next six months, I would expect interest rates to remain about where they are today. Okay, so now you talked about variable and fixed rate mortgages a couple of moments ago. Do most people go for a locked-in, predictable for five years fixed rate, or do most people prefer to float on the variable? You know, that's a very good question because depending on when they got their mortgage will depend on what option that they took. Because right now, fixed interest rates are below what the prime rate is. So generally, people have had to pay a higher amount for a fixed rate. Mm -hmm. So when they're looking at it, they're looking at what the spread is. So depending on the exact moment in time in which they decided to get their mortgage will depend on what selections were available to them and what allowed them to qualify more for more. Because there was a time when if you took a fixed rate, it helped you qualify for more. And then that switched around to taking a variable rate helped people qualify for more. So it's very specific. I would say on the general level, most people take a fixed rate, Mm -hmm. but it really, there is micro elements to that as well, depending on the exact timing. Just like neighborhoods, uh, just like we talk about real estate, it being a buyer's market, there still are areas that are seller's markets. So you can look at it at the at the significant scale, at the 50,000 foot elevation, and then also uh, very specific to timing as well. Well, timing is, is what my next question is about too, Angela, because a lot of people who are on variable rates are kind of keeping an eye out for clues for indicators in the economy that would suggest maybe you should lock it down into something a little more secure. But not many of those indicators, you said there's a lot of uncertainty, and that is absolutely true. But there aren't any crisis indicators out there, at least that I'm not aware of any. How about you? Well, it depends what kind, what news station you're watching. <laughs> I suppose. If we're if we're talking about what just happened at the G20 summit, then some other people might feel otherwise uh, with the outcome that we had with with everything that's going on in China right now. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, I think that we have to take control of what we can and empower ourselves. Believe it or not, uncertainty is really good for interest rates. It means that it's going to remain low. And certainty means that interest rates are going to go up. So from an emotional standpoint, when you see uncertainty in the news and nobody knowing what's happening and people not being exactly sure of their future, you can actually rest assured that for your mortgage rate, that's a good aspect. I can't speak for all aspects when it comes to things like that, of course, but when it comes to a mortgage, that's actually reassuring in terms of low rates. Once we have certainty, once we have reinvestment, once we have new partners, once we have new alignments, everything really moves forward fast and that's when they're 
they're going to take their opportunity to raise interest rates. So I know that we were talking about emotional stress. And so if you want to take the stress on the news that you're seeing and think, how can I apply that? Where can this apply to me positively? Then we can use, utilize that aspect there. Interesting stuff. I'm I'm quoting from your website, angelacalla.ca. There are generally two ways to get a mortgage in Canada from a bank or from a licensed mortgage professional. What percentage of Canadians with mortgages, Angela, have the one from a bank versus having used a licensed mortgage professional? That's a great question. And I'll tell you, it depends on the the age the age of the person and the transaction type so in terms of first time home buyers over 65% of first time home buyers use a mortgage professional okay and especially first time home buyers that are between the ages of 25 and 35 because they're used to doing things online they understand that there's a better way to do things um with technology and also they have grown up in a world where they understand that corporations always have biases. So anytime you go to a lender specifically on your own, that lender is there and compensated to sell you their product. So they have a significant bias on their product. Whereas mortgage professionals, we our job is to be completely unbiased and to give you the power of choice. So we come from two completely separate places in that respect. When you have a mortgage renewal due to the stress test, mm-hmm. less people renew with the mortgage broker, not because they don't want to, but because their hands are tied with the lender that they're in and all the interment all the intervention into the mortgage market. So they actually get less choice depending on when they got a mortgage and the government intervention, which means that they sometimes, unfortunately, uh, might be stuck where they are. Well, you mentioned the election a few months ago, and of course, that's October 19th. And there was some speculation back in April when the budget came out that the uh, the liberal, the government, would, you know, have more than a few election goodies in their budget, one of which might have been uh, a reduction in in the levels of the stress test. And there was some pressure from the real estate community on the government at that time to lean that way. They didn't. Um, Do you see perhaps between now and October 19th, some are mortgages going to become an election issue? Certainly affordable housing is, but that tends to be a municipal or provincial issue, Angela. How about mortgage rates and that whole climate as a national issue? Uh, certainly, we've seen some talk come from some of the parties on what their platforms are, and I think that that needs to be more clearly defined on exactly what that is. Sometimes what we notice in the finance industry and obviously in politics as well is sometimes an idea is floated out there, they see how much steam it gets, and then they decide if they really want to move forward with it, and they either work on further defining it or kind of moving away from it. So we're in that period right now, and as you know, the federal government has come out with a uh, down payment assistance program yes. where they'll be your partner, and that's one of the ways that some people will be able to get into the market, and when that first came out, they were anticipating 300,000 Canadians would have the ability to take advantage of it. As things have gotten more defined, just kind of reinforcing my my suggestion there, now they've come out saying 100,000 yeah. Canadians. So you can see based on my ex- experience continues to tell me that we'll see. And experience also tells all of us and our listeners here today too that this, ha- this program came out provincially and then was taken away after the election as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this does come together. But for those of us who don't necessarily want to rely 
rely on government for our down payment and don't necessarily want to share our equity with the down payment. Right. What I find is a lot of people want to understand just a path. How do I get there? And parents come to us today too saying, how do we educate our children to get there? How do we even start? And so on my blog, I actually wrote a couple of ways to get a down payment Mm -hmm. that came to me from a couple that we had helped recently who had just moved here from the U.S. They had just gotten their citizenship. They were looking at establishing credit. And their first question, like over 75% of immigrants to this country, is how do I get a down payment to save for buying a home? And so for that exact reason, I actually laid out a three-step plan in addition to the federal program that might come out um, that will actually help you look at ways and a combination of ways that you can come together with a down payment to get your first home. And if we have some time, I'm not sure how much time we have until the commercial break, but I can break it down for you. Yeah, I would appreciate it. We've got a couple of minutes here. And, 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 you know, this is intriguing stuff because, you know, that home partnership, that down payment partnership program from the government only applies to homes up to a certain value. And frankly, it doesn't much apply to Metro Vancouver. Everything here is just simply too expensive. So break it down because this is huge stuff, Angela. The difference between the amount you qualify for having passed the stress test successfully and the cost of the house. It's usually a significant difference. How do you fill that gap? It is. And like you said, um, the the federal program will assist people earning $120,000 a year and under, but those really are our first-time home buyers. So we do have to work on plans to get those people into the market, but actually help them with the path. So when we talk about financial planning, if you have a 30, first of all, you have to decide how much you can save and pick a plan that works for you. Okay. On, on a 36 month plan. So remember, we can, we can spread plans out. You know, if you are sitting at home with your 15 year old, this weekend and you're saying hey you know what it would be great if you could look at a plan to save to buy a home one day a 36 month plan would be saving $700 a month for 36 months will get you 5% of a $500,000 purchase price oh wow and it's 700 yeah. a month for three years 700 a month for three years. So also, if you're a young person, um, one thing that you can look at doing is you can look at getting, you need to establish credit. So in order to have uh, established credit that you'll need for a mortgage, you'll also need a loan. So you, if you can get a line of credit, um, then you can actually do a forced down payment plan and take that money from the line of credit and start repaying that ferociously till you get to your plan. And then you can also look at putting that money into an RSP or work with your employer. If you're working at an employer that has a group RSP plan, have that money automatically deducted off of your paycheck. Because when you start your first job, if you don't start saving for yourself first, then it's so complicated to get ahead of it. So working with your children when they're in high school and they're getting their first jobs or even when they're going and they're getting their licenses or their their trade certificates when they start that job having them understand exactly how much money they need to save aside every month and they they can also try a mortgage payment on as well um, I got to leave it the there, com- Angela. But you, you lots to lots to talk about when we come back. Angela Kella, lines are open six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight. We'll include your calls to mortgage broker Angela Kella when we come back after the news. 
And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox with you, joined by mortgage code author Angela Calla. And we're talking about all sorts of mortgage issues. We'll get to ho- uh, those HELOCs in just a couple of seconds. But Angela, just before we dive back into the pool here, I wanted to take a second to congratulate you again. The success of the mortgage code is pretty impressive stuff. And you have attached a donation uh, aspect to the whole thing. S- uh, pr- proceeds from the sales will help build a new emergency room at Eagle Ridge Hospital right there in your neighborhood. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, for me, writing the mortgage code was about passionately help elevating the financial literacy of people around the world and have them have an understanding and take the fear out of financing. So that in itself for me is is an honor and it's an honor to have it supported so um the income coming from it obviously i'm putting right into my community the people that support me and the people i care most about and i care about helping those when we need it the most and i find that healthcare is a great place to start with that good for you and it's great stuff and i know that uh, it's it's also a hit it's a bestseller so congratulations on a couple of fronts now want to talk about cashback mortgages in this segment too but helocs home equity lines of credit. Uh, we were talking with Jennifer McCracken, the uh, insolvency trustee in our last hour, and she was you know, c- basically advising people not to get caught up in treating the house like an ATM. That could happen in, in some of these situations, and it does, doesn't it? Well, um, yes. So I guess you could say that it really depends what place you're coming from. Right. I see people using home equity lines of credit in many, many different ways. So let me first tell you that home equity lines of credit on their own can only go up to 65% of your property's value. Okay. So think of all the equity that is in remaining in your home to protect both the lender and yourself, first and foremost. Okay. A lot. And let's look at what those rates are. Well, they're generally just above prime. So those rates are going to be just over 4%. Think about if you have to use a credit card instead or finance something else. What is the like, what is the likelihood of the interest rate on a credit card being much higher? Oh, about a hundred percent. Credit cards average. Yeah. <laughs> that was an easy one. <laughs> um, that they're over, usually they're, you know, anywhere between 11 and 19%. Oh, sure. So if you're asking me what I think is a better tool to use in terms of an emergency situation or in terms of an unexpected expense, of course, I'm going to advocate for the home equity line of credit. Now, for the 5,500 British Columbians that are retiring each and every week, is it an absolute must to have on their home prior to retirement? Absolutely. Why? It empowers you. If you haven't been proactive and you need to at one point get a reverse mortgage, which is a great tool, then the rate for them is higher. So, of course, that makes the home equity line of credit, then again, a great option in my opinion. Right. Now, when you look at people who are utilizing wealth building strategies, a lot of people have home equity lines of credit because they are using them for a down payment to purchase revenue producing income properties. Right, that's true. Or they're using them to 
Yeah, or they're utilizing the Smith maneuver, which means they're purchasing dividend-paying investments that are an arm's length from them, and they're generating revenue, so they're getting equity working for them. I applaud those people as well because mm-hmm. they are really getting out there, and that interest then becomes tax-deductible, and the idea is that they can use the revenue from that to pay down their own mortgage faster and really get ahead. So they're being very strategic and very smart. So home equity lines of credit, in my mind, are an integral part of any smart financial plan. And it depends on your mortgage stage. You can't get them right away. If you're a first-time home buyer, you have to wait until you at least have 80%, uh, 20% equity in your home. Oh, interesting. And then you can look at adding it to a part of your portfolio. But do I believe in home equity lines of credit? 100%. Because Should anybody who have equity in their homes have them? 100%. Because responsibly and practically applied, they are excellent in these days, low interest tools to serve you. Absolutely. And don't forget, when you put money into your mortgage, so many people say, oh, I've got to pay my mortgage off. I've got to pay my mortgage off. Well, the only way you get that money out is when you sell your home right. or you spend money to refinance or your mortgage is up for renewal, but you still got to go through a process to get the money out. So having an equity line of credit is putting the control in your hands, the capable consumer. I believe the person who should make the decisions is you, the person who owns the home mm-hmm. and get that line of credit so you don't have to requalify at a later date and what's yours is yours you put your money in you have a way of getting it out without incurring any expenses and I think again you have a choice you can do things based on fear or have fear based or you can look at the whole picture all the pros and cons and look at how people are utilizing these to be able to really help them with their wealth planning moving forward interesting now you mentioned in the course of talking about uh, home equity lines of credit you mentioned reverse mortgages can you explain what they are I mean we, we see the ads on TV and we think we know what they are, but what the heck's a reverse mortgage? Oh, reverse mortgages are absolutely fantastic. Again, with 5,500 Canadians retiring each and every week. And if you're one of those retirees listening this week, congratulations to you. But the reality is that 50% of us are retiring with a mortgage in today's day and age. Mm-hmm. And we... And you know that 75% of people who are listening to the show right now that are retired only have about 10 years worth of income available to them in their investments and their other aspects. And if they draw that money from those investments, they're at risk of getting their OA, OAS clawed back. So sure. the reverse mortgage is a great way to stay in your home not have any mortgage payments and get access to that tax-free money coming directly to you and you don't have a payment to make, everything is included in the mortgage and you have tax-free equity working for you and you also ensure that you get everything that you're entitled to for working in this country for so long. Sure. Um, and also it helps preserve your investments so your investments can be working for you for a longer period of time, therefore lasting you and providing a better life, which you deserve for having home ownership and working so hard. So there's now two major lenders in Canada offering reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages have been around for about 30 years. Yes. But in the last five years, we've seen a new 
We've seen a new uh, lender come out and provide solutions, and I anticipate that we'll see many more. They are a great product. It's great to be able to get your money working for you, and competition means great things. As we've seen competition in this space, we've seen better terms become available. We've seen higher loan-to-values become available, and with rates, again, being uh, near record lows again, it is a, it's a great time. So if you do know anyone who is having those concerns, but the thought of a mortgage payment is daunting or, you know, their investment income isn't going to last as long or they want to preserve their investment income because maybe they hit some roadblocks in the market as well uh, with some of the purchases that they have made. Mm-hmm. The reverse mortgage has many aspects that can really be working for you in a, in a more beneficial manner because you can also get it in a few ways. You can get one large lump sum or you can get monthly dividends paid to you or a combination of the two if you've accumulated some outside debt after retirement as well. Okay, so what's the difference then, Angela, if you would be so kind as to uh, answer this one? Because again, it's it's these are terms that we all think we know what they mean, but what's the difference, for example, between a reverse mortgage and a cashback mortgage? Okay, so a cashback mortgage is a in- incentivized small percentage that's included to a mortgage that you're that you're getting um, for a new purchase for a new purchase or a refinance. So, but a reverse mortgage is when you have paid your mortgage off or you may have a small mortgage on your home, but you want a mortgage that you don't have to qualify for and you're over 55. Right, okay. And you don't make any payments on. So, okay, so yeah, anyone... Totally and, different products. Okay, yeah. so anyone can qualify for a cashback mortgage and that, that's, that's, where it be, that's where the difference begins, right? Yes, and age. You have to be over 55 to get a reverse mortgage. Okay. And so what's and it's the. Not a, it's not a cash back. And, and how does the cash back work? I mean, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, you would, like, it's almost like earning loyalty points from certain retailers. Is that the same mindset? Uh, no, it's used in two di- Well, first of all, it's used as a marketing tool. Sure. So it's used as a marketing tool to generate interest. And then generally what you find out is that if there's any modifications, you have to pay that back or the terms of the mortgage are written in such a manner that you actually end up paying that because you could have got a mortgage somewhere else that wasn't as punitive in its terms. And you could have ended up accomplishing what you were looking to accomplish. But cashback mortgages obviously have um, terms that are attached to them that as there's several different kinds. There's the type which is a cashback that the cashback amount that you have to pay back to the lender goes down as the mortgage goes. Okay. Or um, there's ones that are the full amount that you would have to pay back if you pay the mortgage out at all. And I, I'm very cautious about cashback mortgages because the terms are more restrictive and experience has taught me and statistics is that 68% of people break their mortgage before the end of the term. So with that statistic, knowing that there's that additional penalty that could be associated with a cashback mortgage and a cashback mortgage is usually so small, it's like between two and $5,000 that it's not really the cashback that they're looking at. They were more attracted to the market. Okay. So when we break down the terms of it, we look at what is it really that we're looking for? Are we looking for the lowest cost of borrowing and the most flexible mortgage that's going to modify with your lifestyle? Or, you know, most people obviously get attracted to the marketing of it. 
Okay. Uh, again, though, just uh, just a clarification. A little clarification goes a long way sometimes. Back to the whole matter of, of looking for mortgages in that first statement that I read about most of us getting our mortgages from one of two sources, a, a professional mortgage broker like yourself or a bank. Uh, the shopping for mortgages, this is something that uh, a lot of people, I, I don't think, understand. If you go to a mortgage broker, that person, uh, Angela and her team, being good examples, will do the shopping around the marketplace for the best terms and conditions that you can afford and that suit you. If you, the mortgage seeker, Angela, go out into the marketplace asking bank A, bank B, bank C, and credit union A, B, and C for their mortgage, their best mortgage terms, that would be three, four, five, six different inquiries that can actually damage your credit score, can't it? Yes, it would take points off your credit score and it would flag you for uh, a credit risk. And a credit risk would mean that potentially your application had been modified. So that causes a um, not-so-great experience for the person who is shopping for well, a mortgage. And, and, it, and the person, you can't blame the person for trying to do the right thing, Angela, which is look around for the best possible deal. Yes, um, but that's why selecting a mortgage broker that you believe will be able to assist you with that. The service is free. You don't pay a mortgage broker. They get compensated from the lender where the mortgage is placed. Right. And they work without bias and they shop. The lenders protecting your credit score and advocating for you. If you go to a lender directly on your own, then they have a bias to their product. So um, where we we look at all the pros and cons to each lending institution, the lending institution only works for themselves. How long uh, a process is it for a person looking for a mortgage to sit down with you, Angela, or one of your teammates and uh, get properly set up so that search on your behalf can begin? It's very easy. They would start with a call or an email, and depending on what their life stage is and their goal, we would send them an email outlining what we would need from them to review their options. And then shortly, a few days after we receive that information, we'd be able to lay out a, a strategic plan for them. And of course, depending on the specifics of their scenario, some scenarios are easy. Some people say, how much would I have to save to buy a home that I can qualify for at 500000 Well, that's something that maybe could be worked out over a conversation in an email. Mm -hmm. Someone who actually wants to look out, look at their options. Of course, calculations would need to be done. Income documentations need to be received and processed and then the property approved. So something like that could take a few more days than something uh, with a simple question on a direction that they're looking for clarity on. Interesting stuff. And all of this information, friends, is available on Angela website. Angela has one L, Kala has two. AngelaCala.ca, a very uh, helpful website. And yes, there's a button to click on to apply now. Angela, always a pleasure to have you on this program. We appreciate your taking some time out of the long weekend to, to join us. Have a great Canada Day. My pleasure. You as well. Thanks. We're back after this. Once again, our thanks to Angela Calla for another very informative visit. Next week, we'll learn about a new recycling program from the Return It people, and John Carlson will have a look at Vancouver real estate. Time now for Duly Noted, and this time, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at new rules for BC school kids and vaccinations. Thanks, Sterling. The BC government has outlined next steps to require parents to provide immunization records to public health units for students in the role 
hold in public and private schools across the province. Here's Health Minister Adrian Dix. This is a registration system. We believe the best way to raise immunization rates is what we've successfully done in the last three months, which is to immunize. People will not be excluded from school. Exemptions will exist for children who cannot receive vaccines due to medical reasons. If a parent does not want a child to receive an immunization because of philosophical reasons, Dick says they would have to go through a process to state that. Based on the new wave of immunizations, 87.6% of school-aged children have received the full two doses of the immunization. Nearly 95% of K-12 students have at least one of two doses. The province is targeting a province-wide immunization rate of 95%. The catch-up campaign kicked off in April with the goal to immunize children who have not previously been immunized against measles and those who may not have received both recommended doses. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. If you've been hoping for TransLink to extend SkyTrain service hours on Friday and Saturday nights, I'm afraid you're out of luck. TransLink has released its findings from an 18-month review into expanding late-night service on buses, and CEO Kevin Desmond says late-night service on SkyTrain sounds nice, but is not feasible. Why not? Well, Desmond says we could run all night, but we have to make up the maintenance hours. And then the trade-off is you would have to terminate service an hour earlier, Sunday through Thursday, at a greater impact on a larger number of people. Extending weekend SkyTrain hours would also cause delays for two more major extension projects, which would be impact. TransLink does admit to a need for more transportation options late night. And its remedy is to immediately boost its night bus program to possibly include night express buses, which would follow SkyTrain routes and only stop at SkyTrain stations. Night bus service is also being increased on, increased rather, on nine routes starting next year. I don't know. I don't believe TransLink when they say late night SkyTrain can't be done. Sure it can. Figure it out. That's what we overpay you to do. Get taxpayers home safely. It's your only job. Okay, here's another Canada Day celebration option for you. And this time, it's the big one. The party at Canada Place. The largest Canada Day celebration in Western Canada. It will happen once again at the waterfront. It covers five city blocks and includes indoor and outdoor spaces at Canada Place, Jackpool Plaza, and of course, all the streets around the area. Highlights include a traditional citizenship ceremony at 9.30 in the morning on Canada Day. And if you've never seen one of these, it's truly an emotional experience. It's a great way to start off the day and a wonderful thing for your kids to see, too. All day long, music and dance performances, the Coast Capital Savings Youth Zone, Kids Zone, Canadian Forces Zone, the Picnic Plaza with the food trucks, and, of course, fireworks in the evening. The grand finale fireworks show starts at 10, the parade at seven. That is our show for this weekend. We're going to take a little bit of a break and be back with you in two weeks. Our show is produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira is at the controls. Thoughts or suggestions for Vancouver Consumer are gratefully accepted at sterling at cknw.com or you can tweet them to us at vanconsumer. We're back again next Saturday at two and then we're going to take our summer vacation uh, for all of us at Vancouver Consumer. See you next Saturday at two right here on CK. KNW. 
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.